welcome back to our one wild and precious lives and our dogs and our cats. Today I'm here in person with my friend Rachel who does not have any dogs but she has two cats and <laughs> since the one constant of this very eclectic podcast is that I have people introduce themselves by means of their pets. Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself and also about Luna and Laila. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy, for the space and the introduction. Um, okay, my pets, my current pets. I have two cats. They are sisters, Luna, which is actually the name of a previous cat that I had many years ago. Luna means moon. Wait, now I'm confusing my cats. I've had so many cats. Wait a second. Lila. I had a cat named Lila. My partner had a dog named Luna. Both of our cats are named after deceased animals of the past, which is also a Jewish tradition, not so much with animals, but with people. Um, Luna, moon in Spanish. Luna is a white cat, white-ish. And Lila, Lila is gray, but Lila actually means night in Hebrew. So our cats are night and moon. Luna and Lila. Oh, I didn't know that. That was really cool. I didn't know that Lila was nice and hero. Yeah. yeah. Lila. I don't know much, or I don't remember much from my Jewish school days, but um, Lila means night in Hebrew. Nice. Um, despite the, my cat's names, I am not religious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although I did grow up Jewish. I am from Boston. I've been living in Mexico on and off for about seven or eight years. And I like to ride my bike. I like to climb. I like to paint. And yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation today. Yay. So this is the most off-cuff. I think that's a word. It is that's a word. That's an expression in English, right? That is correct. <laughs> Podcast episode that I have ever recorded. So we'll see where it takes us. We're actually in Mexico City in Rachel's apartment here. And yeah, you've had this, like, this is your apartment. You have actually, like, to me, that feels like you have officially moved to Mexico. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little terrifying, but also not so much. I mean, looking back at Facebook memories, they always pop up, right? And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I'm at the point where I have Facebook memories in Mexico from 14 years ago. So I'm like, okay. If it's been 14 years since I started coming to Mexico, or 20, I don't even know. I think that's like, I can say I, I live here, <laughs> and yeah. I own a house. <laughs> yeah. When did you, so what was your first Latin America experience in Mexico, or in a different part of Latin America? So my family liked to travel a lot, um, and I was fortunate enough to travel quite a bit as a child, and teen, and we did travel to Panama, Peru, and Belize mm -hmm. before I turned 18, and then the summer I turned 18, actually, my mom turned 50 that same summer, and she wanted to take a, a mother-daughter birthday trip before I went off to college, so she actually found some art classes and some volunteering experience in San Miguel Allende, oh. and that was my first time in Mexico, a month with my mom for my 18th birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. And for the listeners who don't know, San Miguel de Allende is very close to Guanajuato, where I used to live until a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah, that was the, the first time. And then 
little did I know I'd be coming back frequently, and, and here I am, I guess, 18 years later. What made you come back frequently? <laughs> um, I consider myself, in Spanish, the word inquieta, like kind of an antsy person, so I've always moved around a lot. And I just felt drawn to Latin America, I felt drawn to the Spanish language, and I started studying more Spanish and traveling more in college and coming to different places in Latin America for different reasons. And Mexico, I think, felt like a good in-between. It wasn't too far physically, nor was it as far culturally in some regards as other places. You know, the relationship between the U.S. and Mexico being that of two countries bordering each other. So it felt like a like a push for me, but not so far out of my comfort zone. That's really interesting. How So what are the similarities that you see between the U.S. and Mexico that you don't see between the U.S. and, say, Peru or Guatemala? What makes Mexico less of a big step away from the U.S.? <laughs> I think it also depends in part where I am in Mexico, honestly, because in Mexico City, it feels very international, at least now, and and that's something that's familiar to me in some regards and where I don't feel like I stand out completely as a foreigner. Mm -hmm. um, but if I go to a pueblito somewhere, it's going to feel just as far away as a pueblito in Peru, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think the relationship that Mexico has with the U.S., as complex as it is, is one of kind of reliance, dependence, love, and also hate. But it feels a lot more closely tied mm -hmm. to me. Although perhaps it is more of a physical uh, location point than anything else. But definitely in Mexico City, I feel a lot of, you know, for better or worse, I can find a Starbucks yeah. <laughs> at any yeah. corner that I want. Not that I yeah. go there, but again, kind of seeing those markers of familiarity uh -huh. and at the same time, incredible differences as well. That is really interesting. I mean, I have not lived in Mexico City. I've only visited a couple times. And I mean, it's a, I feel like it's a city of extremes. There's so many, it's so huge, right? The, um, it has as many inhabitants as Austria, the entire <laughs> country. And to me, like this is really, it's, it feels gigantic to me. And I remember, I think the first time I was in Mexico City, which must have been, I don't know, 15 Or more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when did we meet? That's the question. Were you, was it before or after we met? Uh, it was before we met. I okay. Think. Yeah. Or was it? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> we met in Guatemala in 2000 and... Wait a second. I was in college my last year, 2012, 2011, maybe? Something like this sounds about right. Wait, no, no, no. It was 2008 because I started college in 2004. Oh. 2008. 2007, 2008. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a long-term friendship. We're old. We are. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't even remember what year I graduated college in, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> But, you know, I remember, so we met at a hostel. I was just there because I was, I sometimes feel I'm a little bit of a random person. <laughs> and sometimes I feel that's a good thing, and sometimes I feel that's maybe, I'm not, sometimes I have mixed feelings about that. At that time, I was studying abroad at Wellesley College, which is just outside Boston. And the semester before I started that year abroad, I had been in Peru for a term, or for a semester. And then going from Peru to Wellesley was like 
a shock. Kind of a culture shock, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And I I kind of needed to, when there was winter, on winter break, I needed to get out of there. And... By the way, I'm from a town not far from Wellesley, so other connections there. <laughs> and you also studied at Smith University, uh, right? Smith, yeah, yeah, another all-women's school. And it's also, isn't that also like, it was also somewhere not too far away, is it? Uh, a couple hours from, yeah. from Wellesley, yeah. Well, so in U.S. terms, in big country terms, it's close. <laughs> Super in, close. In Austrian terms, that's far. Uh, yeah, so I don't even know why I chose Guatemala, but... I think I was flying into Guatemala and out of Mexico City and using the entire winter break to just not be in Wellesley. And we met at that hostel in Antigua, Guatemala, where I later moved to. Yeah, why were you there? That's also a slightly random, very interesting story. Very random, yeah. And I don't think I realized why you were there either. Or maybe, I'm sure you told me, but I don't... Uh, like, there was no... Like, I wasn't there for any good reason. You were there for a, for a good reason. Well, I mean... <laughs> when I was at Smith, at some point when I was in Boston with my family, I went to, like, a fair organized by this organization called Cultural Survival, based in Cambridge, Mass, I, I think. And it was basically selling different products from different indigenous groups to communities across the world to raise money for community support. I honestly have no idea. The organization, <laughs> I don't even know if it still exists, but basically works to promote and protect indigenous communities and rights across the, across the world. And I spoke with some folks that did work in Guatemala around preserving indigenous voice and culture through community radio stations. And I don't remember how this came up, but I guess I found out they were looking for someone to go down as part of a team to, to be a translator, English to Spanish or Spanish to English, with some other folks, to basically document what was going on in these different radio stations and communities where many indigenous languages were spoken, in addition to, to Spanish. And I must have said, okay, great, I don't know. <laughs> I ended up there. Um, <laughs> I think it was after I was in Costa Rica and Nicaragua prior with a friend from high school. And then from, I think it was San Jose, Costa Rica, I flew to Guatemala City where I was to meet this team of folks and travel around the country for 10 days interviewing people about community radio stations. Um, and prior to starting that journey, I, I think it must have been the first night or so is when I met you at the yeah. hostel. And you actually came with me, right, in one of the yeah. car rides yeah, to yeah, yeah. meet these people that I had never met and was going to spend the next ten days with. And that, yeah, that's yeah, that 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 was that the beginning of our friendship, <laughs> as well as some ten strange days in Guatemala. Wonderful, but kind of random <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. So, out of curiosity, when you agreed to be the translator for this project, were you passionate about community radio stations and preserving indigenous culture, or were you just like really completely randomly saying yes to something? I knew nothing about the topic at hand. I just was looking for an excuse to travel and do something that felt interesting and meaningful. Mm -hmm. So, I don't honestly know how much I learned, but it was an incredible experience to be able to visit communities and see you know, radio stations, how they're working, meeting folks that, you know, were coming from these communities and, and what they had to say and share. Um, I don't know how much I helped, but it was definitely a learning experience for me. Yeah. What is the importance of these radio stations? So at the time, and I don't know if they're still operating, but first of all, to communicate 
in native languages within the community. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could probably tell me more about the number of indigenous communities and languages within Guatemala, but there's what, 40? There, I don't know or how so many, languages. there's a lot of them, yeah. Um, so the ability of media broadcast in one owns language and also within or from within one's own community as a source of power, right? I mean, if you're in a community and only hearing external news in Spanish, A, sharing with folks what's going on within the community that might not speak Spanish, but also having voices come from within the community, you know, is really important. So mm-hmm. I don't know what, if that's still in play now. Honestly, radio stations doesn't feel... Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, a good, that's actually a good, I wonder... I mean, the internet is in many places, but there's still also many places that don't have internet reception. Yeah. So in those places, it might still be a major player. Like, yeah. probably not in the places that have internet access. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, small towns, even, in, you know, still now in Mexico, that, you know, people go around on a loudspeaker <laughs> in yeah. the morning announcing things for the town. You know, yeah, yeah. like, this person lost his dog. This person is doing this or come to the assembly at this time, you know, and how I often rely on international news sources or I go in the New York Times and I'm yeah. reading about all these things, but what's happening around the street, around the corner from me, right? And yeah. the ability of local news or local media communication to really kind of build a sense of identity within a much smaller and more local space. Yeah. Well, on the way from... I'm staying in a small town at an Airbnb right now, and it's like maybe a little over an hour's drive to Rachel's place where I'm now. And on the way, uh, there's a stretch that also has pueblos around along the road where there's no internet connection, or at least my phone can't find a signal. So I wonder if they, I mean, I guess maybe they have, yeah, they probably have wired connections. Or not. Like, I mean, if you yeah. didn't have that, like all the news, because also, I'm thinking I'm also consuming international news mainly, and, or a lot of them, and that is only possible because I have access to the internet. If you, if I didn't have access to the internet, my world would be different. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say smaller. I might actually know much more about things that are happening closer to me. Yeah but less about things that happen on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It is. It is. I haven't thought much about that trip since. <laughs> but but looking back... Me uh, neither. Yeah. Well, after we met once in, in Boston? Or yeah. mostly? Or I don't even... I Like somewhere yeah. in Massachusetts. <laughs> somewhere in Massachusetts. I think in Boston. Or Bosley, um, yeah. It's interesting that we we stayed friends. Like I mean, because I meet new people all the time, and sometimes what I can have I say? No, really... <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you have you spend quite a bit of time together, and you do have what feels like a meaningful connection, but you part ways, and that was it. And I, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I remember that once you were dating Kate. Cat. Cat. Yeah. And you told me that she had said I don't remember when that was. Maybe when you visited me in Austria, I don't know. <laughs> you told me that she at one point had said, like that Kurt Vonnegut has this line about, and maybe I'm totally making this up. I have no idea, but I'm very curious as to where this is going. That <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut has this, this line in I don't know what book about there being 12 people 
in your life that you like connect with they'll kind of be a part of your life forever and that cat had told you who i have never met i've only heard like i heard about her yeah I think also the first time we met uh or later i don't know yeah no, no i was i was dating her then yeah <laughs> that she had said we were one of these 12 people for each other like I remember you telling me that, but I, it is entirely possible that I'm making that. <laughs> I, that's something that she would have said, so oh, it's okay. very plausible. <laughs> I don't remember it, but I like that. Now I'm trying to think of the other eleven people, but no. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, I mean, what we were talking about before for me also this ability, or I feel like I have folks in my life that are we're on different paths that kind of crisscross and interweave yeah. at different points and. Although not so different, honestly, because we both ended up in this part of the country yeah. or world, excuse me. Well, now country, but yeah, the, the ability of some connections, even if they're, you know, five hours long in a hostel or two days long in Antigua, to then sustain themselves with minimal effort yeah. across, you know, 15 years yeah. or something like that, right? So I'm very grateful. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This conversation and remembering the first yeah. time we met is just making me aware of that is relatively rare to me. Like, I yeah. mean, meeting people, like, I feel like it's relatively easy for me to connect with new people, but our first point of connection was short. Really and short. And for something yeah. that short to be able to grow in such a crisscrossing yeah. way is not, I don't actually think, I'm trying to think if I have. <laughs> If I have that with someone... Oh, yeah, I definitely also have that with Peter. And it's interesting because our, like, Peter and my initial point of connection was even shorter than yours and mine. And it's still, it still feels like a meaningful relationship. It's so interesting how this happens, isn't it? So he'd be one of my other 11 people. I'm not sure who the remaining 10 are. I'll have to think about this some more. <laughs> All I know is that I was in Oaxaca, what was it, like a year later or two years later? And I was like, Chrissy, you want to come down here with me? And you were like, okay. <laughs> or something like that. It wasn't yeah. that easy. And then we like spent, what, a month or six weeks living in the same random small apartment in Oaxaca yeah, it City. It had lots of couches. <laughs> in this, like, lots of small couches. There was no kitchen, I think. But... No. Yeah. yeah. Why 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 have a kitchen when you're in Mexico you can eat street food all that day? That is true, yeah. But, but also why the many couches I still remember <laughs> I think I remember more couches than there were actually were, but I remember <laughs> a room full of couches. But I think and, and think about my connection to Mexico, I feel like that's also a part of it. It's people that I've met and connected with, I have connected because of in part my relationship with Mexico. And it might be completely random, but I think I there's something in me that feels that. You know, that that sense is that not everyone stayed in Mexico, but yeah. a lot of these connections that I have, many of them stem from or are connected to this country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it could be me projecting, uh, you know, my love for this space and that connecting with people, but or, or vice versa, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I feel like the other friends who I've made through traveling, if they stayed friends, there was a longer initial period of like spending time together. Friendship courtship? Is that a thing? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is very interesting. And also like I do think I do think part of the reason 
we get along really well is that we both have a, a streak of randomness <laughs> in our lives. <laughs> Only the best streak of randomness. <laughs> now, I do sometimes think about the fact that I'm still, I'm still living a, a random life. I'm still not, even the fact that I put still into that sentence, mm. it reflects the fact that it is expected that when you're like in your mid to late 30s, holy shit, you're, <laughs> you're supposed to somehow have attached to something and like are holding on to it and you're supposed to have grown roots or that's kind of the expected path. Mm. And I quote unquote still haven't done that. And now it feels like you have, like it, it does feel like you're in a different place from me now. Because you own an apartment. That <laughs> Coming back around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that makes, that makes it feel like you have, you have committed to a place. Mm. In a way that I have never committed to a place. Because I've only ever rented. Do you feel like you've committed to Mexico City? <laughs> well, I, I want to answer that. But I want to go back to what you said about roots. Having growing roots. And I think this idea that we have or that I have that society has of what we're supposed to do is roots in a more traditional sense of having a home or a family or kids or a partner or a, a job where you have, I don't know, tenure or whatever. Um, but I think, I also think when you say roots, roots in oneself or mm -hmm. grounding within a sense of self. And I think a lot of people, and I can reflect on aspects of myself in general, might have these quote-unquote traditional uh, markers of an adult life or mm -hmm. what you're supposed to have as a 30-something-year-old or whatever, but it does not mean that myself or anyone else is any more connected to our true sense of self than yeah. you are. Um, and so I just wanted to challenge that, I guess, even though it's, yeah. I understand where that's coming from, but also wanting to value your yeah. experience because it's easy to put judgment on it because it's not what's quote unquote normal. Yeah. Um, but also flip that around and say, fuck yes, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, and I'm, I yeah. like the life I'm having, yeah. but I do sometimes, I wonder, or sometimes I think about paths I haven't taken. And me, me too though. I mean, yeah, and like, we all do. Yeah. We all do. And a lot of the time they are connected to, for example, past relationships. Mm. If I had stayed with X person, yeah. then I would definitely not be here today. Yeah. Usually when I reflect on this, I realize I'm so grateful that I did not stay with X person, for example, because yeah. I can't imagine being anywhere else than where I am right now. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's like, I have no idea where I will be 10 years from now. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? These days, it feels <laughs> like might the world can change in a heartbeat. But that is true, yeah. I mean, I know people make plans. People pay into pension funds and stuff like that. <laughs> like, that is not something I'm doing. Like, I don't do that Yeah. either. But, yeah, to bring it back, I feel like, interestingly, what you said about the having roots in yourself. Yeah, I guess I, I'm constantly trying to grow as a person. And I definitely... I probably grow more as a person because I have not taken the traditional path. And I mean, the same is probably true for you. You have also not taken the traditional path. Yeah. I think, well, defining what traditional is something that I've been yeah. definitely, definitely uh, yeah, <laughs> thinking about, thinking about recently too. But yeah, no, I appreciate your ability to explore different paths and different realities and be open to things that many folks don't or won't because of fear, which is also very valid. <laughs> but I think when I see that in other people, 
I'm drawn to it because A, it takes a lot of courage and B, it's something that I value. Whether or not I <laughs> engage that way all the time is is questionable, but I think it's something that, yeah, it, it for me, it's, it's the foundation of someone that I am like, wow, this person is someone that I want to kind of keep an eye on in my life, you know, <laughs> yeah. see where they are. Yeah. Just see what, what they're doing. Yeah. No, and I, I do think there's something, there are decisions I take in my life or decisions. I, I have a very easy time taking very big decisions <laughs> and I have a very hard time taking very small decisions. Mm. Like if you ask me what restaurant do you want to eat in? I was just going to say last week in Polango. <laughs> I, <was just laughs> I was like, well, I don't I know. Do this. <laughs> 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 but if you ask me <laughs> randomly, do you want to come to Oaxaca with me in three weeks? And we'll be like, hell yeah. Um, so like moving, yeah, or moving to a different country is a decision that seems easier to me mm-hmm. than what I want to order for dinner. <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, maybe a little stressful on the day-to-day basis when you're thinking about dinner. But Well, the good thing is that in the, in the town I'm currently staying at... You have one option. Much, yeah, there's pretty much only quesadillas. So. And most of them are spicy and too spicy for my taste. So that leaves like two options, which is perfect for me. And it just gets boring often enough to push me to like go somewhere else and explain or to come visit you because here I can have tacos at Pastor. And many other things. And many other things. Like, and yeah, you can have everything in Mexico City. <laughs> Maybe I feel a connection to you partly because I feel like I can share these things without any judgment because you kind of, you get them somehow, even if you're not in the same space at the same time. I do think you have probably been in similar spaces or similar places in your life or in your mind. And that's not something I can share with everyone. Mm-hmm. Or I can share it with people, but not everyone will will understand what I mean when I even say that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely, it's a certain type of person that <laughs> <laughs> lives like we both have in different, in different ways. And I think there is a, a mutual understanding that you don't really have to explain yourself And I think, I know for me, it's hard to go back to the States sometimes and justify my choices because I feel like I have to justify them Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's not accepted. What are the choices that are being questioned when you go back or that you feel are being questioned or you feel you have to justify? Right. It's a good question. I don't know if they're actually being asked of me. It might just be my own sense of, I guess, expectation. But, you know, I think moving to another country is not just because (laughs) Mm -hmm. is not... Like, people are always like, oh, even here, it's like, oh, why did you move to Mexico? It's like, because I wanted to. I don't know. I, I just felt drawn to it. I didn't come for a job, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think definitely in the States where my family is very liberal, but, you know, even within my family, there are people, even my parents sometimes, make comments of like, oh, well, you know, like, it. there was an earthquake the other day, yesterday, and I told my parents there was an earthquake, everything's fine, but how crazy is it that there's always an earthquake on this day? Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. And my dad was kind of jokingly like, but not jokingly. Yesterday was September September, 19th. Yeah. So just so you know, don't visit Mexico on September 19th. I'm just joking. You can, (laughs) but there might be an earthquake. Um, (laughs) My dad jokingly, but not jokingly, was like, Rachel, maybe you should leave Mexico during this time of year. And I was like, ha, 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 no. Like, this is my home. I want to go back and visit, but... I don't want to leave because of fear. And I think I experienced that also when the pandemic started of like the sense of, Rachel, do you want to stay or do you want to come back home? Like mm-hmm. still. And, I, you know, and it's like, 
what what do you mean like it, the sense of okay that's where I should be that's where mm-hmm. it's safe you know and being like no I I, I don't want to leave because of fear and also this has become home um, in many ways so you know even my dad and who's very accepting of my choices still makes comments like that where I feel like ultimately he's like okay yes this is great but when will you come home you know and um or other people that say what's so dangerous in Mexico like I still hear that comment like do you feel safe my coworkers say that and I'm like I mean it's a big city yes there's a lot of violence in this country do I feel unsafe on a daily basis no yeah it's the same as in any really like in any big city Yeah. Right. So again, I'll specifically from the U.S. And I don't know what it's like coming from Austria, but this perception of Mexico as, you know, either tourist Cancun world or narco land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, it's. Not, I mean, my experience is neither of those, but yeah. I understand, you know, multiple realities exist. So. Yeah, they do. In Austria, it's less on the news simply because of the geographical distance than it is mm-hmm. in the U.S. So the picture may be a little more neutral. Yeah. And I may be able to color the picture a little more um, mm. for people in Austria than you are able to for people in the U.S. Yeah. Because, simply because of migration, it's always on the news. On, on the, the news. news. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Europe is like, off there doing its own thing. <laughs> Dealing <laughs> with migrants talk- from other countries. So. Yeah, yeah, right. So there are other countries who are always on the news and who are yeah. who are painted in black and white, not necessarily Mexico. Yeah, it's interesting. So like you're saying your dad, for example, still feels like your home is in Boston? I don't know about that, but I think there's... I mean, honestly, I don't even know what to say around them when it's like I go back to Boston and then I come back here to Mexico City and I, you know, I text them when I arrive, when I land from the airplane. And, you know, I always say I, I'm back in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. I don't say I'm, I'm home because I feel conflicted about that specifically with them. Ah. It, it almost hurt. I like, <laughs> I don't, when I land in Boston, I don't say I'm home either, you know, but yeah. I, I feel specifically with them that it, I don't know. Maybe it's a sadness of me, like of me leaving, of me moving away, yeah. and then almost betraying them. Which I don't really feel that from them explicitly, except on occasion, like these comments. But yeah. it's something that I hold to, which causes a lot of sadness, specifically in relationship to them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't consider Boston anything like a home. But yeah. they're there, right? So that yeah. that's that's. Uh, So in order to protect their feelings, you you don't want to say, I'm back home when you land. Or maybe it's protecting myself. I don't know. Maybe I, I kind of live in this pseudo, like, gray space because there's always a part of me that feels like this is not home. I mean, I, I'm not from here, and I, and I will always be a foreigner. Um, but I don't really feel like I've ever belonged fully anywhere. So it's not like this has replaced something, but rather I'm still in a limbo. I feel connected to a place, um, mm-hmm. and I love it dearly, but my home is neither here nor there, I think. Have you ever come across a place that felt like home, even if just for a moment? 
when people ask me that, I think being on my bicycle is yeah. as cliche as it sounds. No, that's a that's a great answer. So, you know, it's not so much of a, a physical place, but a, a being, a way of being that feels authentic and true to myself, less so than a physical space or country. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll have to have you back on and talk specifically about that <laughs> because I'm curious about that way of being. I don't, I haven't experienced that way of being. Yeah. And so I don't, that's not my, like the bicycle is not my home. I've only ever used the bike as a tool to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be another long conversation. <laughs> so to make this a little less random, let's stay with the topic of randomness. And I was going to say, weren't we talking about randomness? <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. <laughs> no, I want to actually, I actually think that would be, I want to make that um, <laughs> an entire episode of here up for it. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that feeling, why do we even... Home doesn't necessarily have to be a place. And also, when I was just making that comment about myself and my lack of roots, I remembered something, and maybe that's where this actually comes from. <laughs> when I was leaving to study abroad in the U.S. for a year, I visited Monica to say goodbye, a good friend in the city I grew up in. You met her when you visited me mm. in Austria. We went to the vineyard together. Ah, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. I do. I mean, not so much for her, but I remember that experience. <laughs> <laughs> for other reasons. Because I was <laughs> carsick, but... <laughs> yes, but yeah, no, not your fault. <laughs> um, and I went to say goodbye to her, and her mom said something along the lines of... She was somehow sad that I was going to the U.S., And she made some negative comment about the U.S. I don't know why. I guess she doesn't like the U.S. That's valid. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. But um, and then she she was like, "But your roots. Remember that your your roots will always be here, mm. and you can't deny that." <laughs> and that felt like I'm sure she she said that with some sort of good intentions. I'm not sure what she was trying to tell me exactly, mm. but it felt very aggressive it felt aggressive yeah. and and it made me want to yell into her face no my roots are definitely not here <laughs> like I don't know where they are but they're not here they're not in this town I grew up in they're yeah. not here like I've never yeah. I haven't felt that connection to that place mm -hmm. and for for as long as I remember I wanted to get out of that place yeah and I do like it's different to go back to visit and that makes me Like I can, I'm even able to enjoy it, but it's not where I choose to live. Yeah. And it's definitely not where I want to put down roots or, mm -hmm. or where my roots are <laughs> by default. I felt like that idea that I couldn't do anything about it. My roots were there, right. whatever, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. <laughs> no, I'll never feel at home there. anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I do, I have actually felt at home. For the first time in my life at Finca El Pilar in, in Guatemala. I mm. love this place so much. Mm -hmm. I was renting this little cabin in a nature park. And it was awesome. That I also had the privilege of, of uh, seeing and yeah. visiting you at. Yeah. Yeah, when I was just like getting, like settling in, yeah. right? I think, yeah. Before you moved in. I yeah. Think officially, yeah. 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 But I haven't had it before and I haven't had it since. And what, and about, what about that space made you feel like it was home? That's a good question. I like the way I lived there. Mm. Um, I like the fact that the physical space was really, like it's a really small physical space. Mm 
um, the cabin itself, but there was this huge plot of land around it. And I, um, I had sheep at some point because I wanted to explore herding with border collies and learn more about that. And I had, I had the, the option of doing that there. Um, so I could try out things in that space that I, I hadn't had such a space before. I used it for dog training classes as well. Mm. So I had an illegal dog training business in that <laughs> as in Not registered with the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not paying taxes. So I used that space for that. My dogs were so happy having that space. I really liked that and I liked I liked being able to go out and go for a walk without running into any cars or mm-hmm. anything and yeah I had these I had solar panels I was totally planning on staying there longer term ish mm-hmm. I had solar panels on my roof because there's no electricity up there mm-hmm. and I just loved waking up and only hearing birds. And I love the fact that hummingbirds would get lost in my kitchen. <laughs> it was this teeny tiny, it was, but I, I loved that space so much. I built all my furniture out of crates and pallets. Mm-hmm. And of course it took me much more time than if I had bought them. And if I translated my, like <laughs> what I charged for an hour of my work into that, it would have been cheaper to buy them, but it made, it made me so happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and to live surrounded by things I had built with my own hands, in none of my other the other spaces I have rented before, I felt such a. Yeah, I mean, most of them were came already furnished, or I knew that I was gonna be only be there for a little bit, so I didn't really care about the the things I put into the space because it yeah. felt like just like a way station. Mm-hmm. And this space was I like I made it my space, and it yeah, in in multiple ways, right. Yeah, and when I was walking, I was come I would come across these gigantic caterpillars or centipedes uh-huh. that were like yellow and black striped like creatures from Mars, but like <laughs> in cartoon character form. Like I love the I loved learning about the local wildlife, about the the names of the trees. It was also nice when I had sometimes I had friends who who'd come up and visit and people who lived in Antigua. So Antigua is like 20 minutes from there. Um, it's very touristy. It's also nice. I mean, it's a, I find it pretty because of all its ruins. It's, it's architecture, this yeah. architecture. I mean, it's colors. Yeah, colorful. Um, cobblestone streets, which slow the many cars down just enough <laughs> for me to be not too annoyed at them. And I mean, yes, I know I don't have the right to complain too much about cars because I currently own one again, which is sad. But okay. <laughs> um, and I can, at some point I did, I sold my car when I was living on my little mountain and mm-hmm. that was pre-pandemic. And I left riding my bike into town and then back up that mountain. Mm-hmm. It felt so good. Mm-hmm. And it felt, because, and it was also easy because like going into town it's all downhill (laughs) and um so I had friends within like a bike ride distance easy and then and they would also come up and visit me so I had a friend who had a motorcycle um so for them if they had uh transportation of their own it wouldn't be a problem to come visit me either yeah if there had been no pandemic and if I had been able to stay there, I think I'd probably still live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, but I, yeah. So because of circumstances, I had to let that place go. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am now, but I have not find, I have not found another place that feels like home. Yeah. Well, being able to identify some of the things that created that space, I think is important for fostering them again in the future. And many things happen there outside of our control. Like you mentioned that change, uh, shift things on, on multiple levels, but you know, the ability to have had that and identify those, you know, hopefully will allow you to integrate aspects of, of that into future homes and spaces. Um, and also knowing that things change all the time anyways, whether we like it or not. So Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, I, I'm incredibly grateful for having had that experience yeah, and having absolutely. had that feeling mm-hmm. because I did not know what it felt like to yeah. feel that connection to a place. Yeah. I felt really strong connections to people before, mm-hmm. but never to a physical space. And there I did. Yeah. I didn't know that I was capable of feeling that. So mm-hmm. that's really beautiful. Yeah. And it, that's. Yeah, it's almost as if that that place was my partner in a way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I it was interesting. Like, but I also I do feel like it's okay for things to not last forever, right? They are that doesn't take away from that. Ha- yeah, Absolutely. it shouldn't take away from them. Um, as long as they're good, while well, they last, they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how can we hold on to the the positive parts of those experiences without holding too much sadness or nostalgia? that gets in the way of being present in other spaces, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it seems it feels easier in some respects than in others. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm glad I can imagine and picture it as you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) A little little glimpse of it, but still. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let me ask you one more thing about home. Okay. Um, So you felt attracted to Mexico, which basically is the reason you moved here. Um... And then, yeah, Mexico City is definitely a multicultural space. It's a modern, big city. You find um, everything you're looking for in the area you are living in, within walking distance, probably. Yeah. But you said the the way of being that makes you feel at home is on your bike. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered? Because I know there are people who who are basically professional <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Cyclists, cyclists, (laughs) like uh, traveling on bikes. Yeah, like they don't. I don't think they like they don't. They live on their bike, right? And they're traveling, and somehow they. I think they. I think there are people who support themselves via Instagram because they have a gazillion (laughs) followers. Like, yeah, I'm horrible at using social media um, for one. But no, I I mean, I think I have. I mean, I have lived on my bike for periods of time in the sense that. I, I camped and I, I, I moved my bike and everything I owned, well, everything that I had on me was also on my bike. And it was incredibly empowering and to feel so self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, to literally, you know, bike up to wherever you were going for the evening, set up camp, sleep there, put your home on the back of your bike and continue. I mean, in terms of just perspective in general, things like, how do I charge my phone? Where do I shower? Like, <laughs> that I don't, I have the privilege not to have to think about, you know. Yeah. I thought about them, but from a place of choice. And I think, you know, rather than desperation or need. But um, it was an incredible experience, and, and I would absolutely do it again. But 
I don't know if I'd want to live like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, well, first of all, it's, it's tiring physically, um, tiring in that you're exposed to the elements all the time. I mean, if it's raining, you're wet. And if it's cold, you're cold. And, you know, um, I think it, it allows for incredible vulnerability and sensitivity to all that surround you, which is amazing, but it can also be a lot, you know? And so I think, um, sometimes too much. (laughs) It's just so much to hold simultaneously. Um, so I'm grateful for that experience and I would absolutely love to do more bike trips. I've done a number of bike trips since, but much shorter. Um, and for me, yeah, I think there's always some fear going into it of like, Oh my God, you don't know what to expect. Really? You you don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what the weather's going to be like. You don't know where you're going to access food. And so there's a lot of unknowns. Um, but the feeling of empowerment while doing it and reward after is like, you know, like, you know, you're at the top of the world. And I remember feeling distinctly and and since then of like, I could die right now and it would be okay. Yeah. You know, I think so much of what we do is driven by fear and ultimately fear of death for me and maybe for many others is the ultimate unknown, the ultimate fear. And so the ability to, uh, to approach this idea of death through the lens of complete gratitude is, is incredible. Yeah. I do, you know, grateful for that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, we definitely have to do an episode about (laughs) what it is like to live the lifestyle of someone who feels at home on their bike. And also, well, yeah, we were originally going to talk about fear and anxiety, but I basically chickened out. But also death, that is also such an interesting topic. I would love to explore it more also maybe with you on this podcast. Yeah. Because... Hope you're not sick of me, whoever's listening. um, (laughs) Well, who cares? Nobody's paying me for this podcast, so I get to... I'm the benevolent dictator of this podcast and I get to bring on whoever I want. <laughs> I feel honored. <laughs> no, like, wow. Yeah. That, that is also, I feel like that's also such an interesting conversation because mm-hmm. our relationships with death in general, I think they can be so different depending yeah. on, on so many factors. Yeah. But also like the feeling that if I, if I died right now, it would be okay. And I would die happy. I remember distinctly having had that feeling it was after um, attending a conference by Susan Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew she'd have such an impact? <laughs> yes. Susan, if you're listening, you're very we powerful. You. <laughs> All right. We'll just put several bookmarks in there and pick back up for future conversations. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the chance to reflect and, and share and I know we've kind of been jumping all over the place, but everything's connected in my mind. Um, so it's not really that random, but, uh, but I appreciate it. So Yeah, just um, so if people wanted to get to know more about you, especially about your art, maybe, which we also did not touch upon at all. It's okay. Where can they find you on the internet? Um... Let's see. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is R as in Rachel F I N K L E S R Finkels, um, and on Facebook, Rachel Finkelstein. 
just look for Friends of Chrissy, really, because <laughs> um, Finkelstein is, I don't know how many of us there are, but, and I do have a website with art. It is www.communityarte.com. <laughs> show notes. And there is another topic we have to talk about. Ha, yes, I'm going to, you uh, like, whether you want to or not. What is it? <laughs> You're going to be on this podcast again. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the chat and for coming over. And I'm glad that at this point in our lives, our paths are closer to one another and we can explore more together in the physical realm. Because, yeah. You know. Yeah, me too. It's, I mean, we have never potentially long term ish lived close to each other. Right? Yeah. yeah. That is a totally new, I that's know. totally new. So, wow. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be Finca, Pilar, but you know, yeah. I'm hoping you'll find a similar space in Estado de Mexico so you can be like close-ish, but also yeah. have your, your, your woods and peace that's not in the city. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, well, we'll see. I'm yeah. still exploring options. I, I, I also, yes, I understand. <laughs> no, no pushing in mind. Well, thank you for being open to just doing this spontaneously and just going with the flow. Of course. Love it. My pleasure. And bye to our podcast listeners. I'll be back in a week or two, depending on whether by the time this airs, I've decided to make this a weekly podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> bye.